I heard a story about a local newspaper who dispatched a journalist to go and interview a bride-to-be for a special story. You say, well, what's particularly special? Not that it's not special when someone gets married, but what's particularly special about this uh, lady getting married? Well, this story was a little unique. The bride-to-be was 85 years old, for starters, and this was her fourth marriage and it was going to be held at a funeral parlor. And as the journalist was interviewing her, she explained that these four marriages that she had had were all part of her original plan. First to marry a banker, then an actor, then a preacher, and finally a funeral home director. And when asked why, she said one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. Now, we may laugh at that, or maybe you don't. Maybe you don't find that funny at all, or maybe you don't get it. But either way, the reality is that while we may not like to stop and think about, all, about this subject all that much that we're in in this series, the truth is that we one day all will go. And so that's part of the reason why we're in this series called Just a Mist. Because even though we may not like thinking about these things, The reality is we need to think about these things. It is imperative for us to think about the brevity of our lives on this earth because doing so helps us to better live our lives on this earth. And so James chapter 4 verse 14, the Bible asks the question, what is your life? What is your life? And then the Bible answers, James answers that question. It is just a mist. And every word the Bible uses to describe your lifespan emphasizes brevity, vapor, shadow, dust, breath, grass, mist. And the Bible consistently counsels us to align our priorities in recognition of this reality of the brevity of life. Because on your gravestone, there will be Three things, aside from your name. There will be your birth date, which you had no say in, right? There will be the date that you pass, which you really have little to say about that as well, and you don't know when it will be. But in between, there will be a dash. And you get to say a lot about that dash. It's short, but you get to decide how you will spend it. And so the Bible says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Help us to number our days so that we can make our days count because to count your days is wise and to count almost anything else is really foolish. And that's why we need to give thought to how we will cash our dash. You need to give thought to how you will cash your dash. And by cash, I mean how you will spend it, how you will invest it, how you will use it because the reality is, it's short. Now, just to be clear, giving thought to how you will cash your dash makes absolutely no sense if you believe that you are just some cosmic accident. If you and I believe that we're just millions and billions of years of evolved pond scum, then it only makes sense that you do whatever you want to do with your dash. But if we exist on purpose, then we need to give careful thought to the purpose purpose for which we exist. 
And Jesus was constantly trying to change the conversation back to that question. For example, a man came to him one time in Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 15, and he said, teacher, tell me, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? And then it says he said to them. And so one guy asked the question, but Jesus knew that the whole crowd was wrestling with the tension raised by that question. What is life about? That's really the deeper question. What is life about? And so Jesus says, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. You see, Jesus discerned in that guy's question more than just a passion for justice, more than just a passion for, for getting that situation right. He discerned a misunderstanding about what life is for, about its meaning, about its purpose. And so Jesus is constantly calling us to see life from a different paradigm, to see life through the lens of, of the unseen and not just the seen. To see life as, as a spiritual and not just a material endeavor. To see life not just as a, a temporary thing, even though it may be brief, not just as a temporary thing, but as something that has eternal consequences and implications. He's saying that life is a bigger matter than just the accumulation of matter. Or to put it another way, Jesus is saying there's more to your dash than just the acquiring of cash. And by cash, I, I don't just mean money. I mean anything that is material that we use here on this earth. And so to make his point, Jesus tells a story. It's one of only two stories that Jesus tells where the main character actually dies. And it comes right after the words we just read in Luke chapter 12. So starting in verse 16, Jesus told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now notice in the story, there is nothing that says that the man became rich because he was unethical. It doesn't say that he stole money, that he cheated people, that he mistreated his employees, didn't pay them a, a fair wage. By all accounts, he seems to have earned his money fair and square. By all accounts, he seems to be a, a, a moral, ethical, successful businessman. But you see... That's not really the problem. The problem is that we often count here on earth, or what we often count here on earth, doesn't always count that much in heaven. On the 100th anniversary of Hamilton College, they invited one of its most famous alumni, a man by the name of Alexander Wolcott, who was a well-known journalist for the New York Times, and they asked him to come back and give an address, and he started his speech this way. He said, I send my greetings today to all my fellow alumni of Hamilton College scattered all over the world. Some of you are successes, some of you are failures, and only God knows which are which. Because again, what we often count on earth 
doesn't always count for much in heaven. Look again at verse 15. Jesus says, life is not measured. This is from a different translation. Life is not measured by how much you own. In other words, when you stand before God and your short dash, because it is, your short dash is assessed, he will not ask you, how big was your barn? Jesus is constantly warning against wasting your dash in the pursuit of cash. In fact, he talks about money and stuff and material possessions pretty much about as much or more as he talks about anything else outside the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And the strange thing is, we buy in wholeheartedly, or at least for the most part, to everything Jesus says about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, and yet we hardly buy into anything he says, at least the way we live our lives, to anything he says about money. So I'm here today to say, be on your guard. As Jesus says, beware, be on your guard, because this warning should not be missed. And he gives several warnings in this story. First, Jesus warns that cash does not add more time to your dash. Cash does not add more time to your dash. And we need to hear this. We need to hear all of this. But we need to hear this because a foolish person would think like the guy in Jesus' story. He, listen to what he says. He says, I've got plenty of grain laid up for many years. Now, do you hear the assumption that he's making? That because I have a lot of stuff, that means I have a lot of time. He believed that the length of his life corresponded to the amount of his stuff. And so he built a bigger barn because he just assumed that he had all the time he needed to use everything in it. But here's the reality for almost everybody listening to me right now. You are going to run out of time before you run out of money. You are going to run out of time before you uh, on this earth before you run out of money. Now, I recognize that it doesn't always feel that way. And some of you are like, well, you haven't seen my bank account. And I, I get that it doesn't always feel that way. But that's the reality that for most of us, probably pretty much all of us, you are going to run out of time before you run out of money. And perhaps the reason why we don't totally buy into that reality is because we've bought into a lie. And it's one of Satan's greatest lies and illusions that prosperity will bring security. In other words, if I can just amass enough cash, then I can control the future. That's why we, you know, when the stock, things like the stock market crash, then we go anxious and worried. It's why we become workaholics because we buy into this lie that if I can just amass enough then I can control my destiny and my future. And the Bible says that kind of thinking is foolish. Do you really think that because you live or if you live in a 5,000 square foot house that you are somehow less likely to get cancer than if you live in a 500 square foot apartment? That if you drive a $50,000 car, that you are less likely to get hit by a drunk driver than if you drive a $5,000 car. You know, one of the things that I've noticed, and I haven't traveled the world a whole lot, but I've been on several mission trips. And one of the things that I've noticed is, and different trips for different reasons, but one of the things that I've noticed is I've traveled to different places in the world and people and cultures who, who are much less affluent than what we are here in America, which in reality is pretty much everywhere in the world. 
But what I've noticed is that they understand better than we do that life is brief. That they're not as shocked when young people die. In our culture, when someone dies young, we, we are shocked, we're stunned, we, we get angry, even angry at God sometimes because we have this strange idea that if you are affluent, that you get more time. And yet here's the reality. You can buy a lot of things with money, but one thing you cannot buy is more time. And as missed, we should give heed to this. And so, for example, I read a story uh, several years ago when this happened, but I read the story recently about a professional football player by the name of Christian Ballard. He played for the Minnesota Vikings and was a pretty good, good player. Uh, but he quit the team. He, he wasn't cut from the team. He was a good enough player to make the team and make a decent amount of money uh, playing professional football. But he quit the team because he said, I did not like the kind of person I was becoming playing professional football. And of course, people said, well, I mean, you're walking away from this huge salary. I mean, think about the amount of money that you're just walking away from. And he said, sure, making that money was fun, but money is still a material thing. You can always make money. You can't make back that time that you lose with your friends and your loved ones. Time is something you can never get back. And he said, playing football made me selfish, and I've got to reevaluate what I want to do with my life. And again, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, even us included, would look at that and we say, how do you walk away from such a lucrative career and, and that much money? And I mean, that's just, it, it seems a little foolish, right? But Jesus thinks it's foolish to spend almost all of your dash on a barn. Because here's the reality, and it is the most inevitable reality of all. It's one we've talked about throughout this series. The dash is short. Your dash is short. I'm reminded of a story I heard about a law, pre law professor at a pre prestigious law school. Uh, he was a teacher of first-year law students, and his class was one of the uh, classes that all the students had to, had to take. It was a core requirement. And so on the first day of class, he would start the semester like this. He would say, why are you in my class? And someone would say, well, because we have to be here. And, and he, he would say, well, then what? And they said, well, then we would take other classes. And he'd say, then what? And they'd say, well, when, then we would decide what kind of law we want to specialize in. And he'd say, well, then what? And then we, they'd say, well, then we kind of, you know, we, we hopefully graduate law school, right? We, we, that's what we hope. And then he'd say, then what? Well, we, we try to pass the bar exam. Then what? Well, we try to get hired by a prestigious law firm. Then what? Well, we try to be successful and make lots of money, maybe make partner. Then what? Well, we'll retire and enjoy the good life. Then what? And some frustrated first-year student would blurt out, well, then we'll die. And this wise teacher would say, then what? Then what? You see, cash cannot add days to your dash. What it can add, though, is ways to spend your dash. And so the guy in Jesus' story says, I've got a big barn now full of stuff, and so I'm going to take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry, he says. That's the second foolish assumption he made. Now, there's nothing wrong with eating and drinking and be merry, but the assumption that he made is the one that Jesus warns against. And so Jesus says, cash will not add more joy to your dash. 
It will not add more years to your dash and more time to your dash, nor will it add more joy to your dash. This guy just assumes, like most people, that the abundance of stuff equals the abundance of joy. It's another one of Satan's most popular delusions in our culture, to believe in life, liberty, and the purchase of happiness. But the truth is, there is no correlation between the abundance of stuff and the abundance of joy. In fact, studies and surveys have shown that there oftentimes is a negative correlation between those two things. I mean, do we really think, I mean, just think about this in a practical situation. Do, do we really think that if you have lots of money and you find out that your child has a drug problem, that it's going to bother you less than the, another parent whose child has a drug problem because they have less money than you do? Or do we really think if you're a child whose parents have lots of money, that if you find out that your parents are getting a divorce, that it's going to bother you less because you have, your parents have more money than another child who finds out their parents are getting a divorce because they have less money. Or, or that if you have more money, that it's easier to deal with the loss of a spouse or a child or a parent or a loved one than someone who has less money. I mean, I mean just, just saying that, how foolish does that sound? It's just foolish to, eat, to think that joy or that, that stuff equals joy. It's just foolish to try to find joy in what can only depreciate and deteriorate. Every time you, you drive past a landfill or, or a, 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 a junkyard, that ought to be just a little reminder to you, to, to, to us, to say, Lord, don't let me tie my identity or my joy to anything that's going to wind up being here someday, a junkyard and a landfill. Because abundant living is not the consequence of an abundance of stuff. It's the result of having the abundance that God offers, the abundance of God himself. You get joy by being filled by the Holy Spirit, not by filling your barn. But a fool can't see that because he's too full of something else. And so here's another thing that Jesus warns against. Cash must not add more me to your dash. Because you know who tends to ignore the warning about the brevity of life? It's ignored by the self-absorbed. Did you notice that the guy in Jesus' story lives completely for himself? He doesn't mention anybody else when he reflects on his life. He speaks to himself. He plans for himself. He parties with himself. He congratulates himself. Now, again, if you believe that you're nothing but a few billion years of evolved pond scum, then that kind of makes sense, right? But if we exist on purpose, we're here for a purpose, then surely it is for a bigger purpose than just to see how much of our dash we can focus on ourselves. I mean, where are the other guys, or the other people in this guy's dash? Where are the other people that he could share life with and, and share, enjoy his blessings with? Where are the other people that he could have, he could have poured in, in, these blessings into their lives? People may, who maybe are, are, are less unfortunate. Maybe instead of filling his barn, he could have filled the mouths of hungry people and the lives of people who had less, far less than he did and shared his blessings with them. You see, he lived the, the good life, but did he really live a good life? All lives are missed. They're short. 
They're brief. But Jesus says that his life was missed. M-I-S-S-E-D. And Jesus warns, verse 21, this is what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. So what are you giving your dash to? And you're a fool. You are a fool if you don't think about this stuff because your dash is short. And can we admit at least to living with this tension between wanting the good life and wanting to live good lives? I mean, you, we don't really open up the newspaper anymore as you know, physical newspaper, but just imagine that you, that you open up the newspaper and, and in the newspaper what you see are several different things, but you see in particular ads and obituaries. You always see ads and obituaries. And the ads tell us how we can have great skin and great hair and great health and great cars and great houses and great stuff, right? And yet the obituary, obituaries don't really mention any of those things. And what we want is everything offered by the ads, but then we want the obituary to say that we live well. Alfred Nobel became exceedingly rich selling explosives. He changed in many ways the way the Western world did war. And one day he opened up a paper and he read his own obituary. The paper had obviously made a mistake. It was actually his brother who had died. But what convicted him was the headline, Dynamite King Dies. And the story went on to recall the exploits of the man that they nicknamed Merchant of Death. That's how he would be remembered, right? And so he decided that he wanted to be remembered for something else. So he took a large portion of his fortune and set it aside to create something that all of us have probably heard of, the Nobel Peace Prize. And late in his life, he said this, I wish that every person could read their obituary in time to rewrite it. The world says, who can argue with success? And Jesus says, God can. Because it is God who truly defines what true success is. And it is God who will do the final dash assessment. And so Jesus says, be rich toward him. Be rich toward God. In other words, give up and out so that your dash won't crash. Give up and out because, so that your dash won't crash because we use up so much of our dash building up and building out things that are only going to come down. They're not going to last. And so Jesus warns us against wasting our lives on trivial pursuits because when we stand before God, the things that are really going to matter won't be things. And so invest in the kingdom of God because it will last when barns are long gone. Do what we might call missed giving. Because every time you offer sincere worship to God, you are giving something that will last. Every time you try to strengthen your character to be more like Jesus and walk more in his footsteps, you're being rich toward God. Every time you speak the name of Jesus to someone who needs his grace and salvation, you've made an offering that will last. 
Every time you act with compassion and you do something to help someone in need, every time you sacrifice and you give to your church to advance the kingdom of God, you have done wise missed giving because you were born for a bigger purpose than a barn. Because when your time on this earth comes to an end, the wealth, the stuff, the things that you accumulate and the things that you build, the barns that you build, won't really count. But the life you build, that's what will count. And so use your dash well so that when all is said and done, what you have built won't be missed.